Hello and welcome to Build Momentum, a show where we explore thought leadership and education. I'm Sarah Williamson, the founder of SWPR Group. And I'm Katie Lash, the director of the East Central Educational Service Center. Together, we explore how to leverage key partners, your constituencies, and the media to authentically impact your organizations and the leaders who champion them. We can't wait to get started, so let's dive into today's show. Katie Lash, welcome to Build Momentum. I am so excited to be here with you, Sarah. So great to have you. So happy that you're here with me and you're going to be here with me all season. I'm so thrilled. Yay. We've talked about this, so it's now coming to life. I know. It's coming to fruition. Here we are, the dynamic duo, Katie and Sarah, in the flesh, recording a podcast. So I thought we should kick off this episode by sharing with everyone how we met. I'll tell you what how I think we met and you can correct me or whatever. I feel like we're telling our love story, but we kind of are. <laughs> Plus, <laughs> that we got made fun of afterwards, huh? Yes, that's true. That's true. Yeah, we all did. in good fun. All in good fun. All in good fun. So Institute for Education for Innovation, IEI, and Doug Roberts is a client of SWPR Group. And I attended the summit in Puerto Rico, where we had the pleasure of meeting superintendents and vendor partners and the Puerto Rican um, DOE. It was fascinating conversations. But Katie and I started talking one evening, late afternoon, and we pretty much haven't stopped talking since then. I think it was our meet cute moment if we're talking about a rom-com. But basically, we've just had so much fun chatting about education and the potential we could have to transform education together and all of the ways we want to improve everything and all of our opinions, our many opinions. (laughs) Our many, many opinions. I think that's actually where the conversation started is we wanted to tell people things and it wasn't appropriate. So then in the moment, so then later we're like, how do we help these folks? And then that led to the podcast. That led to the podcast. Yeah, that's our goal to help everyone with their thought leadership. Genuinely though, where I think genuinely people thought we were sisters when we were there. Like they thought we already knew each other. We have similar kind of, I don't know, look about us. And so then we were like long lost twins. Ironically, we both have twins. Ironically, we both have twins. We both have husbands named John. Yeah. And I feel like there was other, one other weird. When's your birthday? October 20th. Oh, mine's October 19th. But yeah, we knew, yeah. Very similar. See, it's kind of creepy. It is very creepy. Anyway, this is what you're going to get this season on Build Momentum. I hope you like it. I hope you haven't already tuned out. So (laughs) hang with us. (laughs) We're going to have a lot of great conversations with superintendents, with the U.S. Department of Education. We're going to be talking about how we can work more cohesively together with district leaders and vendor partners and all the different ways that we have the potential to increase your impact and your message and get the word out about your company or who you are as a district leader. Either way, we want to talk about it this season on Build Momentum. Very excited. Very excited. Me too. I'm so, so excited. So Katie, will you tell us about your background, how you got into the work you're in now and share more about your role at the East Central Indiana Service Center. Sure, sure thing. So I was a very strange high school student. I knew before I graduated that when I grow up, I want to be a superintendent of schools. 
And so I live in rural Indiana and I saw the value that a superintendent brings to the community. Again, not just as a school leader, but a community leader. And so my dad was on the school board for a lot of years. And so really, I just had my sights set on that. So I went the traditional route to that role, I suppose. I studied in undergrad. I studied elementary education and taught fourth grade for my first teaching job, actually, in North Carolina. Moved back to Indiana, taught high school special education. Then I was a middle school principal. Finished my superintendent's license. Well, well, obviously before that, my principalship and licensure. And then my superintendent's licensure, really thinking I was headed to a, a district admin role. And then I had good relationships in the area, knew a lot of the superintendents, knew a lot about the region. And someone, I honestly just don't even remember. Someone was like, well, had you considered the service center? And quite frankly, I hadn't. (laughs) But I knew that, you know, that's the type of leadership role that I was looking to move into. And so interviewed really honestly for being fully transparent. I kind of thought that it was, you know, going to be my door into the superintendency. And so coming in, I thought, you know, it's just going to be, it's going to be a good experience. But now that I've had this experience, maybe I'll end up in the superintendency, but maybe not. Uh And so, yeah, like good life lessons here, I guess, to be had because I've just up until now, I had a very one track mind of where I was headed. And now the world is at our fingertips, Sarah. The world's at our fingertips. (laughs) It truly is. It truly is. That is a pretty impressive story. Very inspirational. I love it. So... A lot of people we talk to, a lot of companies we talk to at IEI events, summits, conferences, ASU, GSV, still seem to be a little bit confused about the role service centers play in the education ecosystem. So would you clear up some of that confusion for us and help people understand the broader role that you play within the communities and how you help students and superintendents throughout multiple districts? Sure, sure. That's a great question. Well, and probably there's good reason for companies to be confused by us or kind of confusing. (laughs) One of my favorite parts of going to the event where we met is there are other service center directors that attend those. And there's where there are a few of us, I guess. Every state has, well, my understanding is that every state has some version of us, but they operate so differently depending on, in Indiana, we were set up legislatively, but I don't think that that's universally true. And so again, the ways that we operate within our state ecosystem, I think some are more directly department, you know, parts of their state department. Again, in Indiana, where we work closely with our department, but we're not directly connected. And so anyway, good reason for companies to be confused. But I think one of our earliest conversations, I think that companies sometimes maybe undervalue what ser- talking to a service center could mean for them, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe... And when I'm meeting with folks, I try to be transparent about this. Sometimes I am the decision maker. Like there might be a product that depending on what it does, the service center itself needs to buy that or, but in other situations, it's maybe we're not the purchaser, but we might, you know, be the door to, we know the districts so well, you know exactly what they're looking for. And so sometimes... I can get them right to the person they need to be talking to and they can skip 10 steps because I already know the answer of who they need to meet. So what's interesting is just, I think some companies really love to talk to service centers for that reason. Other companies think that maybe we're not the quick sell or it would be easy to assume that. And I think they're wrong, Sarah. I think that they are wrong. But again, depends on the dynamic. Like I know in New York State, the BOCES, which is kind of like us, like they just operate so differently 
I can understand why you would never really, even in the state of Indiana, all of the service centers are so different. Like I'm governed by a board of superintendents in my region. And so that creates a little bit of a flavor of where we put our focus. Nonetheless, I think that the point of your question there is to say, we've talked about this, that we are kind of a hidden gem, I would say. Yes, (laughs) I totally agree. So don't take service centers for granted and keep them on your... I don't want to give you more people reaching out to you, but they're def- <laughs> it's definitely important to consider service centers a potential pivotal client. Okay. So that's fantastic. That's super helpful. I'm curious what some of the districts, I know you work with multiple superintendents, like you shared, they're a governing board. What are you hearing these districts are facing right now in terms of challenges? In particular, I kind of want to dig into teacher retention because... I read some fascinating articles just today from The Atlantic and Chalkbeat stating that there's actually not a teacher crisis going on. It's all totally inflated. So one, what are the challenges? And two, do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. So challenges, I mean, truthfully, not to jump ahead, the the teacher shortage, I would say, is what folks are citing, but I'll circle back to that. Mm -hmm. I think that reimagining, like using this moment to reimagine the post-COVID school, what why we do what we do type of like self-evaluation, right? I've heard many of the leaders say, you know, it's almost harder right now than it was during COVID because like Mm -hmm. everyone gave a ton of grace (laughs) during COVID or like, we're all just in this together. We're trying, well, now everybody's like, we're back now, get your act together, have all the answers, right? And so I hear that from them a lot is the now what we're back and what pieces of that learning experience do we want to keep with us and what pieces do we never want to have to deal with again, right? Absolutely. So I hear that from them a lot is really we've all experienced so much change in the past some years. People are kind of worn out on change. But at the same time, I guess in a summary, people keep saying, let's go back. Let's go back to normal, back to normal. Well, maybe we shouldn't go all the way back maybe part of the way back. And so anyway, I think that for school leaders trying to evaluate what that means is the biggest question, but that's very like philosophical, very like world one type of, am I, do I have those backwards world one, world two? You know what I mean? Do you know what I I mean? I do. I do. And I think that I would definitely hear that. I mean, that's what everyone's trying to consider is how, how do we go back to how much technology do we incorporate in the everyday school? Mm -hmm. How much is too much? How much are our parents going to get fed up with? Yeah and figuring out that balance because it's it can be incredibly beneficial and helpful. And it's a great data point. Absolutely. But it's not the only data point. Absolutely. Well, and it forced us to, I mean, folks that were relatively slow to move, forced us to move a little faster in some of those respects. But again, which pieces do we want to keep? But all of that, another kind of on the same line of logic is, you know, Esther and there's no, I want to talk about this later. There's no question Companies know schools have ESSER money. They're, it's all out there, right? So everyone's coming in hot. But what I hear a lot of districts saying too is, you know, making decisions that are sustainable when this money goes away, just because we have it now. Questions about that. Like, what things do we put in place while we have this moment? But what can we keep? We don't want to build a system that we can't live up to when the money goes. So, but cycle back to teacher shortage. That, again, that's probably what I hear, number one. I mentioned this earlier, but serve a lot of very small and rural school districts. We have a couple of, by Indiana definition, some some larger size districts, but then again, that's different in different states too. But I think that 
in my opinion, this is Katie Lash opinion, not so much the service center collectively, but in not only is there a teacher shortage, but in rural Indiana, it's even harder, Uh right? So if there's a sample pool of like total available educators in Indiana, many of them are not moving to my very small town that only has the Dollar General, right? Like we're not like people aren't moving in over here. Like you have to have like a reason. Your roots have to be here. And so seeing a lot of districts look towards pipeline, you know, your future teachers are probably sitting in those seats right now in your high schools. And so really working that angle to where I think that some other communities probably are driving, bringing young professionals to these cities that are, are growing. So like I cite this quote a lot and a lot of grants that I write whatnot. Indiana as a whole is projected to grow by 2050, supposed to grow by like 12%. And East Central Indiana is projected to decline in population by 15%. Wow. So that's quite a swing. Yes. And so people are moving in, but they're not moving here, right? So the teacher shortage idea, I think that we do see some folks disproportionately affected. And obviously the same data surrounding like the challenges of teaching in, in more urban settings and whatnot. But I guess I'm citing this as the total populace, total available humans to choose from. <laughs> there are fewer here. <laughs> and I love that about where I am. I love that about our school communities. I think that it makes a really excellent learning experience. Again, the superintendents, but there are fewer bodies here, Sarah. There are fewer bodies. Yeah. What's interesting about the articles that I read is that that's been the case for years and people are creating the narrative that it's happening right now and only right now. Like this is the moment this is happening. It's becoming this cataclysmic crisis. I'm just curious. Do you think that's been going on within your community for a long time or more so now than ever? Yeah. I mean, we've seen this pattern occurring. I think if you asked a lot of like hiring officials within school districts, whoever that wears that hat, I think they would have told you that everyone's kind of been saying this was coming for a long time. I I think probably the reason we're seeing it in the news now is just like we're genuinely in in some situations actually at a breaking point. Like we had a district in our community. They resolved this pretty quick, but they had no superintendent, no principal, no high school guidance counselor. Like that's how hard to open a school. Uh And so again, it's... I think folks would say that this trajectory has occurred for a while, but now it's like, no, like we were serious. There's no one. (laughs) But I read an article, which I find interesting. I thought this was where you were going to head with it, is that, you know, we don't necessarily have a teacher shortage. Their teachers exist. They're leaving this particular field, right? Like teachers, there are plenty of licensed teachers. Mm -hmm. Teachers are a really hot commodity to be recruited into other professions, right? Oh, yeah. They have skill sets that are very true. Like our friends at tech companies. (laughs) Absolutely. Like yes. my husband. But so again, educators have a pretty well-refined skill set and valuable to lots of industry sectors. So anyway, the article was saying we don't have a teacher shortage. There are teachers. We have like a, the problem is get, keeping them in school, which again, I don't think that surprises anyone. I just thought it was an interesting point if we don't have a teacher shortage because they're out there. We just aren't getting they them are. to work at the schools. So. Yep. So true. Okay. Interesting. So Those are the challenges. What are you excited about as we enter the 2022-2023 school year? Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, I had a legislator call me the other day, almost asked me this exact question. And I did not have my words as polished. And not that they are now either, but (laughs) I think I genuinely mean this, that there's an energy among the school districts to want to learn from one another in a way that, I don't know, I don't think we've seen 
here really recently. And not that there wasn't a desire before to work together or to problem solve together. I think that's obviously always been true. But in a strange way, COVID brought people around that idea like nobody knows the answers. So let's call, let's get people around the room to think tank. And so I genuinely see for me personally or in in my agency, I'm really excited to see the districts authentically using the service center and letting me help convene them is a lot of fun. And just hearing them brainstorm together. I I don't know. I feel validated, I guess, by that. So probably that's a selfish answer. I feel validated that they appreciate that of us. But I also, I don't know, kind of what I was saying earlier about the like going back. I think it's exciting that of what's ahead. I think folks, generally speaking, again, teachers that were slow to move on technologies or whatever the thing is that we dove in headfirst with COVID. I don't know. I I see people more willing to try things that once were impossible or seemed impossible. Yeah. Right. It's like, you know what? We did that before. And so I don't know. I see a little bit of a culture shift of, again, we're teacher shortage. We're losing teachers. Again, the whole, I think every, every market is looking for employees. So that's, aren't you still looking for one, Sarah? I, I sure am. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. $10,000 $10, to someone who sends me that person. Just yeah, keep that, that my, in mind. That was my effort just there. You're welcome. Thank if you. Somebody Senior PR. This podcast, somebody <laughs> <laughs> listens to this and works for you. I'm in. Anyway. Yeah, it goes to Katie. <laughs> yeah. Nonetheless, I think so again, but teachers who are staying in the classroom and I think there's a new energy, maybe an exciting time for innovation. So I'm just excited to watch that. I know. I totally agree. I think it's almost like teaching is hard. Change is hard, but it's like almost less of a fear of failure now that we've had an opportunity to fail and we got through it. You know, we can fail again. We can keep trying. I think that's definitely a tone that I've been hearing as well. Are you an education leader, the leader of an ed tech company, or a member of an organization supporting education? We continue to hear from leaders like you who have a story to tell, a message to share, or an important initiative that needs greater awareness. Three years ago, that's exactly what we heard from Doug Roberts, the CEO of the Institute for Education Innovation, when he approached SWPR Group. This led to the launch of a groundbreaking new award that was unlike any other in EdTech. The Soup's Choice Awards, judged exclusively by K-12 superintendents, set IEI on a path to market dominance, increasing vendor partners and superintendent members by more than 30% year over year. Jamie Candy, the CEO of Edmentum, shared with SWPR Group the EdTech company's desire to tell district success stories and to elevate the leaders behind their organization in a more thoughtful and strategic way. Throughout the past two years, SWPR Group has established consistent and regular media coverage, authored compelling op-eds, and secured interviews highlighting success stories while also inserting momentum into timely topics like AI with national reporters. At SWPR Group, we provide public relations, communication strategies, and thought leadership support for today's changemakers and the brands they champion. We work together with our clients to bring their mission to life by consistently delivering high-quality content, creative communication strategies, and transformational results. What story do you want to tell? Reach out to us using the link in the show notes or visit our website at swpr-group.com. I 
learned that more personally. I was just actually having this conversation with one of my teammates today that like, I think I've become very well-versed in the like, I don't know, I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. And like, that was a thing that probably I wasn't as comfortable seeing until like more recently. And I think the unknowing is kind of exciting because we get to go learn it. Yeah, totally agree. I know. I love that. Okay. So on our show, Katie, we're going to focus on thought leadership and education, and we want to support organizations and provide strategic guidance on how they can increase brand awareness and align their organization with other influencers and leaders within the industry. What are you seeing companies do well in this way? And can you share any of those strategies that you think lead to richer discussions, more authentic connections that you're building with these companies and these individuals? Yeah. Well, yeah. This, I mean, I think this is a whole episode later in the season, right? About specifically this. So like, and keep in mind, like I have not worked in the sales field per se. Came, I explained to you my trajectory, strictly education, but I can tell you what it feels like on the receiving end of these sales pitches. So I can tell you how it lands to me. And so I think that companies, partners, services, really something that I appreciate. And I was actually asking a buddy about this earlier too. There's no secret that relationships matter, right? Right. But I I might really like the person and I still don't like their product, right? (laughs) Uh I mean, relationships matter to get you through the door. Relationships matter for you to have more conversations. But if you're coming to the service center and you want in front of my superintendents might be like, I really like you, but they're not going to be interested in what you're selling. So product matters. And obviously, again, that maybe sounds so obvious to say or something, but like, where are you in the spectrum? What, how do you make my life better? Right. If I use your product. What problem are you solving? What problem are you solving? And get to that point pretty quick because I'm not going to like try to figure out what you're selling for the whole like phone call. Like, tell me what you're selling because I need to know where you fit in this ecosystem. That's the thing that I think is an interesting like there are genuinely situations that I can listen to a person for a long time or an email that I'm reading. And I'm like, I don't even know what this is. So like, I don't know what you're selling me. Or so many two minute drills at the Institute for Education Innovation Summit. So many people will do their two minute drills and I still don't understand what they sell or who they are. Yeah. And what a two minute drill is where they give their pitch to the superintendents in the room. And it can be difficult to distill down what that is. Yeah. Well, I think there's beauty. I don't know. Both sides of this. I'd be super curious as the season goes on and we talked to some partners, be curious their perspectives on this too. Like companies that want to do a little bit of everything, districts like that because you can be my one-stop shop. On the other hand, when it, somebody who tries to be someone's everything, I, I, I don't, again, I don't know what you do differently than XYZ. Like, what are you good at? Because if you just tell me you're good at everything, then I don't, again, I don't know what you sell. Like, what is it? Yeah. I'm highly skeptical of the, I'm great at everything. I'm always just naturally skeptical of that. Like, really? Are you really great at everything? (laughs) Or is it just these couple things that you should focus on? So it is an interesting thought and a conversation. And one of the things we focus on at our company and in the thought leadership approach is don't talk about yourself. Don't talk about your product. And it's really that higher level coming in, partnering with organizations, bringing education leaders on to panels, doing award submissions together, not talking about your product all the time. Really, it's about building conversation about what are those key trends, industry, change makers, what's happening in education today that you can talk about without talking about yourself. 
that can lead to more impact. Well, I think I sent you the other day. Yeah. I was reading an article, a company or as a person that wrote this whole article. It was so well done. I don't know if you had a chance to see that, but they never once talked about that they were a company. Like only did I know that that was a company because I knew the person that wrote it, but it was so well done to like identify a need ordered by data. Like, and then, oh, by the way, that company actually has a solution to that need. What a coincidence. But it didn't at all read like a sales pitch. Not at all. So I think that's an interesting strategy. And that's what you're kind of saying. I think your company is really good at helping people think yes. that way. Op-eds, getting bylined articles out there, talking about key issues, bringing in data, talking about where you help solve the problem without talking about you. Exactly. That was a beautiful op-ed that you shared. That was a perfect example. If you actually do solve the problem, like authentically, then you don't really need to tell people that you do. Yeah. <laughs> like they're, they're like, true. oh, you're the solution I was looking for. And you're like, you're, yeah, you're right. Welcome. Welcome to my company. Buy my product. <laughs> well, exactly. It's a much easier sell and you're actually not even selling them. They're coming to you. It's just such a different approach. I agree. Okay. So that's interesting. And I would love to understand what you hope to achieve this season with Built Momentum. What do you want people to gain by tuning into our discussions and talking about thought leadership and talking about education and how these companies can better reach education leaders in a more authentic way? What takeaways do you want people to have this season? Yeah. I just, I think it's an interesting intersection where your job and my job and like experiences overlap, just honestly to authentically have these conversations and for folks to brainstorm this along with us. Like I've said things to Sarah before of like, that was really annoying. And then she's like, well, how could a company have done that better? And I'm like, eh, I'm not really sure, but I know I was annoyed by it. Like whatever the piece is. So I think that through the season, what might be exciting, some of the folks that we have lined up, I want to hear their perspectives too. Yeah. Like they might be able to change my mind. Right. Or I guess to that same point is maybe I've said something that people are like, oh, never thought of it that way. I, I didn't think about what it feels like when I call a service. Well, that's okay. I know a whole different episode, but like when they send a blanket email that talks about how they're going to help my district, uh-huh. you obviously don't even know that I don't have a district. So like you didn't do your research on me. Like that was just a blanket email. That's a good way to get deleted. Uh-huh. Anyways. Things like that. Folks didn't even think about what it might feel like through my lens. So I think that that's what I hope that the season reveals itself. I'm excited to learn. I'm excited to hear from you, Sarah. Excited to hear from the guests. And maybe I'll say something that nobody thought of. (laughs) Maybe you will. Just because I have a weird perspective. I love that. And I actually think that's a great point. We don't have all the answers. We are not always the experts here, although we sometimes think we are we still are learning as well. So it is, it's like brainstorming with our amazing guests that we're going to have and it's going to be a fabulous season. So thank you so much for joining us. We can be more excited to kick this off. Welcome to the show, Katie Lash. Thanks, Sarah. So in this upcoming season of Build Momentum, we're going to dig deep into thought leadership and education, uncovering what's working from multiple angles, including interviews with superintendents, future plans for the U.S. Department of Education, conversations with district leaders who have leveraged their thought leadership platforms to transform their districts and how vendors and district leaders have the potential to work together to elevate their profile and awareness in a meaningful way. We can't wait to get to all this good stuff. Thanks so much for joining us today. And we look forward to seeing you next time on Build Momentum. If you're looking for more of this thought leadership goodness for your organization, you're in the right place. 
visit us at swpr-group.com to learn more about how we work with education organizations and their leaders, superintendents, and influencers to increase your impact. Again, that's swpr-group.com. Thanks for tuning in today, and we will see you next time on Build Momentum.